I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Our three of Clay and Buck starts right now, and you have something we talked about in the last hour to dive into with you in this moment. Merrick Garland is up on Capitol Hill, the attorney general who has presided over some very political and dubious decisions during his uh, two years in this role. It's worth noting Merrick Garland was, we were told in the uh, latter half of the Obama years, he was the totally reliable, nonpartisan judge who should be on the Supreme Court and Republicans, to Mitch McConnell's credit, which I know is a phrase that gets groans from this audience, but Mitch McConnell, good on judges. He's good on judges. He can be bad on a lot of other things, and I get it, but he's good on judges, and I, I think anybody would have a hard time on the right arguing against that. Um, remember, they held that. They didn't go forward with the vote. Merrick Garland didn't get his Supreme Court seat, and I think he's bitter. I, I know that I'm doing a little bit of psychoanalysis from afar here but i think he's a little bit bitter about it and today ted cruz who knows all this legal stuff backwards and forwards had the opportunity to question merrick garland in front of the uh, senate committee uh, senate judiciary and they were talking to merrick garland about the about a few issues and the one that really got ted cruz fired up something we talked about clay with some uh detail on the show was we remember there was a leak. So we're all on the same page here. There was a leak of a Supreme Court decision overturning Roe v. Wade months before the actual printing, of, official printing of the decision. And so this was done. We never found out who the leaker is, by the way. We, we may never find the real We were leaker. actually uh, told it was impossible to find out yes. by the Supreme Court masters or whatever their titles were who conducted this investigation internally at the Supreme Court. Yeah, so that strikes me as they just don't want to deal with the ramifications of a lib justices, because we know it came from a lib justices team uh, putting this out there. But anyway, as we know, then there were these protests, these protests that 
also coincided with someone showing up with, what was it, a knife and a gun on his person saying he wanted to assassinate Brett Kavanaugh. So a a lunatic, yes, but lunatics assassinate. Look at who has assassinated, you know, U.S. presidents in the past. Crazy people do things like that. That can happen. Um, And so this maniac shows up, says he wants to kill Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh. He is arrested by the U.S. Marshals. It was a very tense time. It was an effort by the Democrat left to subvert the Supreme Court and the judiciary process that we have. And here's the thing. There is actually a statute that very clearly says, and Ted Cruz held it up during this hearing. You can see held up with in bold the intent to influence, intent to change the outcome effectively, and harassing, intimidating, none of that. You don't have to just threaten to kill a judge. Just harassing and intimidating a judge is a federal crime. And we know that was... You don't show up at someone's home as a mob demanding a a certain Supreme Court outcome and not fall under the statute. Ted Cruz went after Merrick Garland. Enjoy, everybody. Listen to this one. But in the wake of the leak of the Dobbs decision, when rioters descended at the homes of six Supreme Court justices, night after night after night, you did nothing. The department did nothing. When extremist groups like Ruth Senas and Jane's Revenge openly organized campaigns of harassment at the homes of justices, you sat on your hands. When these same groups posted online information about where the justices worship or their home addresses or where their kids went to school, you again sat on your hands and did nothing. Your failure to act to protect the safety of the justices and their families was an obvious product of political bias. You agree with Roe versus Wade. You disagree with the Dobbs decision. And the Department of Justice under this president was perfectly happy to refuse to enforce the law and allow threats of violence. And those threats of violence continued there from Ted Cruz, Buck, to the point that you uh, brought up. But we legitimately had a guy fly all the way across the country from California armed with a handgun show up outside of Brett Kavanaugh's house. And this is important to reemphasize because I think it got lost. The reason why the Dobbs leak was so incredibly dangerous is until an opinion is published, it isn't the law of the land. Whoever leaked the Dobbs decision was implicitly encouraging violence to be acted out against any of the five justices in the majority. And this is why I think Justice John Roberts was such a coward for not adding his own name to this decision and making a 6-3 to three decision. Because unfortunately, that death threat and the consequences of what a death might mean hangs over the court now with a 5-4 to four decision. And in particular... Buck, the Washington, D.C. legal community is small. The legal community in general for high-level circuit court judges is very small. Everybody knows everybody. Merrick Garland refusing to protect the Supreme Court justices as he is obligated to do under federal law and also, frankly, state law not being enforced for those judges who live in Virginia or Maryland is one of the most indefensible things I've ever seen occur in this country as it pertains to the Supreme Court. Because you can agree or disagree with the decisions that the justices make, and we're going to agree and disagree with their decisions, as I just did with John Roberts' decision not making it 6-3. 
for our entire lives. That's what being a judge is. You look at all the facts, sometimes we come to different conclusions. The idea that you wouldn't protect the justices and their families to the utmost of the law is, frankly, indefensible. And Merrick Garland should be ashamed of himself for many things, but this is at the very top of the list, in my opinion. I think we all understand what happened here. First of all, Ted Cruz gets at it when he says that this is because Merrick Garland, I'm sure, deeply agrees with the, now we can say with even more force, absurd Roe v. Wade decision. And it's actually absurd regardless of what one thinks of abortion. I mean, just as a legal matter, as we've discussed on the show before, Roe v. Wade is just garbage. It's, I want this thing, so I'm going to make believe that it's in the Constitution. It is as much of a subversion of the Constitution as you, as you could find, really. The imagining of a right that isn't there. Okay. But put that aside for, for just a moment. Why did he not want to do anything? In addition to that, it's because U.S. Marshals arresting Democrat activist protesters at that moment in time would have been a bad look. Biden administration would have had to say, yes, we do believe in enforcing the law. Sorry, lunatic abortion-loving protesters. You actually don't get to intimidate this justice. You aren't. You don't get to abide by a different set of rules. Because when it comes to abortion, there has always been for Democrats a different set of rules. Because Ted Cruz also went after Merrick Garland on the uh, difference in how he approaches prosecuting people that are in the pro-life movement, the guy that allegedly shoved the person. Remember that? They showed oh, yeah. up and arrested him. FBI arrested him at his house. He's facing 10 years in prison for a shove because it involved abortion access versus abortion extremists who go around, you know, firebombing places and writing threats on in graffiti on the walls. Merrick Garland has chosen sides in this and done so in flagrant violation of existing federal statute. And Ted Cruz, not let him get away with it today. Yeah, and, and and again, I think we have to tie this in with the Washington Post story that came out early this morning. Merrick Garland is testifying, and what Merrick Garland would like to believe in his own head is that he is a paragon of virtue, he is a man of the law, he does not exercise great... Uh, he does not. He is not a biased sort of Supreme Court, uh, of Attorney General, right? That's all going up in smoke. And we said this back in August when the Mar-a-Lago raid happened. But when the FBI is coming out and letting it be known that high-level FBI officials who were involved in this investigation were not only disagreeing with it, having yelling arguments with the Department of Justice over whether they should raid Mar-a-Lago. This all comes back on the feet of Merrick Garland and his hypocritical, inconsistent, without precedent behavior is currently being attacked, justifiably so, as he sits in front of the Senate. And there are many things you can point to, but I would say the failure to protect the Supreme Court justices and the Mar-a-Lago raid are two stories that will live in infamy for Merrick Garland's tenure. And Buck... Imagine what would have happened. I said this on the radio show. I hated to even think about it. But what if that wound that tried to kill Brett Kavanaugh had actually assassinated Brett Kavanaugh? I I don't think that people have even thought through. Sometimes you need to go down the world of alternate history 
to think about the situations that you have created with your behavior. If Kavanaugh gets assassinated by that guy, Dobbs does not become the rule of the, uh, the law of the land because there's only eight justices. And then Joe Biden gets to replace Brett Kavanaugh with a new Supreme Court justice. You want to talk about the country coming undone? Joe Biden would be rewarded with a new Supreme Court justice appointment based on the criminal murder of Brett Kavanaugh by a far left-wing activist, which was spurned on by the leak of the Dobbs decision before it became law. I mean, you talk about civil war and unrest and chaos in the streets. All of that would have been in play had that occurred, and Merrick Garland didn't do everything he could to stop it from happening. I would just add to that, Clay, because I do think that really hits home for everybody, the gravity of the situation and how why there was a need to enforce the law without fear or and favor of politics is, here. Right? And, and why, why there still is. But I would also note, think of the mentality of a an employee. It's very small and not a lot of people. A person who works in the Supreme Court day-to-day was willing to put the lives of conservative justices in jeopardy for a blanket fake constitutional right to kill babies. That is what happened. That is the Democrat Party of today. And Democrats were all, oh, we don't know, maybe it could have been somebody in the right. Bull crap, okay? No one believes that. That's crazy. We all understand what the incentives were. You show me the incentive, I'll show you the outcome. I think that's uh, Charlie Munger. Um, but it's true. And that is what happened here. So I think it's noteworthy for everybody, and and we should keep an eye on what comes out of this hearing with, with Merrick Garland. Today, Mike Lee's Twitter account just got suspended. Did you see this? Yeah. How how do you Senator Mike Lee's Twitter account is suspended? What is going on here? It's I his mean, personal Twitter account. I have no idea. It's blown up uh the fact that he somehow has gotten suspended. The only thing I can think is that they somehow inside of Twitter do not know that this is actually his personal Twitter account and they think oh, it's okay. a parody in person. Is an ac- maybe it's an accident that would make sense. Otherwise, that would be my like, guess. I mean, well, you know, what's next? Sending Ned Flanders to Supermax? This is crazy. <laughs> Yeah, I, and, and let me just say, Ted Cruz did a great job there. I think that the the hypothesis that we just laid out needs to be discussed in public more often because it speaks to the recklessness of Merrick Garland's behavior in not protecting the families. To say nothing of it, Brett Kavanaugh attempted assassination attempt. What what if some crazy person kills a kid of one of the justices as they're taking them to school? I mean. These justices should be protected as much as we are protecting high-level government authorities, whether it's the whether it's the you know Speaker of the House, President of the United States, Head of the Senate, whoever it is. This is shameful, and it deserves to be called such. Best entertainment for a family? What is it? It's often old family movies. Trust me on this. Everybody likes to revisit those old family memories. You remember in Vacation? When Chevy Chase gets himself locked up in the attic, Christmas vacation, fabulous Christmas movie, and he's really cold and he starts wrapping himself up in the old, uh, all, all the old gear and he's watching the old family films up there because the family's gone out to shop. Are your family fir- uh, films protected or are they like in the vacation movie, just way up in the attic dealing with the elements? 
You don't know if they're going to continue to work for years to come. Maybe it's time to take care of them. Maybe it's time to protect those family memories forever and put them on digital files. Put them on the cloud. You want DVDs, they'll do that for you as well. But man, you can watch them on smart TVs, get your own files, protect them forever. You can get started today. Here's how you do it. Go online to LegacyBox.com slash Clay and you can save 50% off. Half off. LegacyBox.com slash Clay. 50% off. That's LegacyBox.com slash Clay. Sanity in an insane world. The Clay, Travis, and Buck Sexton Show. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. We played Ted Cruz going off on A.G. Merrick Garland. And to be fair, there are lots of people teeing off on him today. And you cannot underrate the Washington Post having that story as he proposed to testify. And I hope we're not obviously able to listen to it. I hope he's going to get grilled on that story and the Mar-a-Lago raid and the fact that many high-ranking FBI officials did not want to do that raid making this even more of a political persecution of Donald Trump. But 
give you an opportunity uh, to hear A.G. Garland's response. Ted Cruz asked why, given all of the uh, issues with danger, right, the abortion uh uh, the, the the abortion activists who have attacked pro-life centers all over the country, burned them, uh, literally thrown Molotov cocktails in the windows, defaced them, uh, almost nothing being done at all by the Department of Justice. Here was Merrick Garland's response. Why do you send two dozen agents in body armor to arrest a sidewalk counselor who happens to be pro-life, but you don't devote resources to prosecute people who are violently firebombing crisis pregnancy. It is a priority of the department to prosecute and investigate and find the people who are doing those fire bombings. They are doing it at night and in secret. So, and we have found two, we have found one group which we did prosecute. You we found are, one. How many have there been? How many attacks? There have been a lot. And if you have any information specifically as to who those people are, we would be glad. We would be glad to have that. Whoa! I think next he was going to say, "Did you authorize the uh, the sending in of the agents?" To go arrest the pro the pro life guy for the remember for the like shove situation nobody was injured nobody was hurt no property destroyed but someone shoved somebody and it happened to involve abortion clinic access uh so they sent in FBI agents to make the arrest got it got to go in right away got to send in the guys with ARs and tack vests I, I don't think this is the job for Merrick Garland right I mean it, before the uh, when Joe Biden put his cabinet together, if you had told me, we've had these conversations, Buck, if you had told me, hey, who's somebody that you think is just not going to be a disaster, I probably would have said Merrick Garland because he's a judge. And I thought I bought into the idea that he's going to be relatively even tempered and somewhat normal. And I think you may be right, Buck, about maybe he's just so burned over not getting on the Supreme Court that he is allowing that to wreck all of his judgment because he's been a disaster and an indefensibly bad attorney general. Uh, With so much chaos in the world out there these days, how about going ahead and taking care of your food security? You know you still can't find baby formula on the shelves. Would you have ever believed that there wouldn't be toilet paper on the shelves? Are you confident in Mayor Pete and the supply chains going forward in the Biden administration? I'm not. That's why I have MyPatriotSupply.com. I have got, for each member of my family, all three boys, my wife, me, we have five My Patriot Supply uh, three-month emergency food kits in our house. Right in the pantry. Just went downstairs. Look at them all the time. You can join us, and you'll get a $200 bonus gift free with each three-month emergency food kit you order. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and get free shipping. MyPatriotSupply.com. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the front lines of truth. Welcome back to Clay and Buck. We have Betsy DeVos joining us now. She's the former Secretary of Education under President Donald Trump. She's got a book, Hostages No More, The Fight for Education, Freedom, and the Future of the American Child. Betsy, great to have you on the program. Thanks so much, Clay and Buck. Thanks for having me. Let's talk about the Supreme Court oral arguments yesterday. What's at issue here on the uh, student debt relief cancellation, whatever they want to call it. You ran the education department. What do you think about this Biden administration plan to wave the proverbial magic wand and have $20,000 of debt wiped away for a whole lot of folks? Yeah, and about half trillion dollars by conservative estimates. 
Um, well, I and four of my former Secretary of Edu- Education colleagues, four former Republican uh, secretaries, all agree there is no authority for the secretary to do this, no authority for the executive branch, the president. Um, it's clearly illegal. And interestingly, while I, I, I attended the oral arguments yesterday at the Supreme Court, and while there was a lot of questioning around whether the case had standing, um, they were also, the justices were also very, very interested in the question of legality. And uh, it, it is clear he does not. Uh, Congress is the one with the power, is, is the entity with the power of the purse. And, uh, you know, what Biden and uh, his administration saw was uh, a bunch of politics that they tried to wrap in policy attract young people's votes for the promise of wiping away their student debt. It's wrong, and it is, uh, I, I'm, I'm uh, very optimistic that the court is going to find it illegal as it is. I agree with you. Thank you for coming on the show. We appreciate all the things you're doing. Another big court case that deals directly with education is affirmative action. It appears to be on the chopping block because, and I'm sure you've dove into the details on this to a great degree, But in particular, Asian applicants are being discriminated against at many elite institutions all over the country in a way, interestingly, that Jewish applicants used to be discriminated against, which is how we ended up with standardized tests in the first place. What do you think the Supreme Court is going to do with affirmative action based on what you know of that jurisprudence as well? Well, I would agree that it seems to be the direction they're headed to – indicate that these are not uh, non-discriminatory programs and that they, they cannot, that race cannot be a, uh, you know, the factor in deciding admittance or not to an institution. Um, there's a lot of very important implications to that case, obviously, but um, on the student debt case, it has implications for all of us because in the case that that was l- allowed to stand, all of the taxpayers are the ones footing the bills to wipe away the debt of millions of students, over 50% of whom say they they don't need their debt wiped away, that they're capable of continuing to pay. And, and so it, it is a very big issue with very massive implications for everyone in the country. Speaking of former Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos, uh, she served under the Trump administration, um, Betsy how are we doing on school choice initiatives across the country? I know we don't have a White House that is uh, favorable to the idea, but I know that at the local and state and, and more grassroots level, this is something that education freedom activists are very focused in on. Are we gaining ground? How's the movement doing? Absolutely. Education freedom, school choice is on a roll. Um, there are now four states that have introduced and passed universal education savings accounts for every student in their state, Arizona, West Virginia, Iowa, and Nevada. Florida is soon to follow. They're debating that bill right now. And um, I, I expect that soon we will also see it joined by Arkansas, Oklahoma. Nebraska is considering a very uh, big expansion, as is Ohio. And, uh, and, and I think that the momentum is going to continue to build as states see their neighbors doing, uh, making policy change that's going to support families and kids and is ultimately going to be an economic 
uh, boon for the states that do this, to be able to attract families to live there who want a high quality of life and a, a good opportunity in an, an economy that's working. Betsy, I'm sh- I don't know if you saw this story, uh, but there was a religious high school that refused to take the court against a team they were playing in basketball because they were using on that team a transgender athlete, a male that was now identifying as a female. You were at the forefront. You got, in particular, I don't think you got credit for this that you deserve to help fix some of these kangaroo courts that were going on inside many of these uh, uh, colleges and universities when it came to allegations of sexual assault, basic due process rights that didn't exist. When you see the Biden administration trying to argue that they are going to put the full force of the American government behind the idea that if you are a boy and you want to identify as a girl, you should be able to compete in women's athletics. What do you think about that? And how important is it for people to fight back against it? It's absolutely important. And they are in the process right now of trying to undo all the good hard work we did to bring a fair and balanced and reliable approach to for students and for campuses to be able to follow and rely upon. They're trying to not only turn that all back, but take it multiple steps further than even the Obama administration did before the Trump administration. And it is uh, it is inconceivable that this will ultimately be allowed to stand if that's where they end up. But people have got to continue to raise their voices and speak out against this notion of, you know, we, we, we've we had the um, civil rights bill passed to ensure that girls and women have an equal opportunity to play in sports and to access education opportunities. Well, if you allow a biological male to compete on a girl's team, that by definition kind of moots the point of women's sports. Amen. She's Betsy DeVos, former Secretary of Education. Her book, Hostages No More, The Fight for Education, Freedom, and the Future of the American Child. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. All right, Buck, as we roll into the final segment here, uh, just going to break down everything as we get ready for uh for the uh the close of the show here i think that is a safe bet indeed <laughs> you all know about how woke activists seize control of america's schools now a group of investment firms that americans entrust with our pensions and retirements are playing woke politics with your money without our knowledge or consent a few large investment firms names you know that control trillions of dollars of your money are using those dollars to advance their woke ideology through a progressive social scoring program called ESG. They claim it promotes corporate responsibility. What they're really doing is using Americans' hard-earned money to finance their political agenda, forcing businesses to comply or else. Some state leaders are fighting back, and more are joining, letting those investment firms know they can't play politics with our pensions. They can either do their jobs, maximize returns for shareholders, or get lost. To learn more, go to consumersresearch.org. They've been defending consumers against fraud and abuse for decades and still are. Go to consumersresearch.org to learn more about their mission to protect consumers from woke investment firms. Consumersresearch.org. Heard it on the show? Hear more on the podcast. Clay and Buck Podcast Deep Dives. More content, more common sense. Find the guides on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts.
I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Closing up shop here on the Wednesday edition of the program. I encourage you to go subscribe to the podcast where you can find us any moment of the day at any time. Also, podcast exclusives uniquely. Join the tens of millions every month who are downloading the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. You can search out my name, Clay Travis. You can search out Buck Sexton. It is among the highlights of the entire iHeart Audio empire. Um, a couple of things. One, I wanted to hit this because I saw it. I was I saw Megan Kelly talking about it, and I was I was laughing about it myself. Savannah Guthrie has now tested positive. She's on the Today Show. I believe this is the third time that she has tested positive for COVID. She probably has had like eight COVID shots at this point. The woman's got to be a pincushion if she's working at NBC. And yet she keeps testing positive. And Buck, I don't know the protocols that they still have inside of NBC at the Today Show. But if you are still testing for COVID in 2023, what in the world are you doing? Well, I think Savannah Guthrie is the queen of the smarmy lib wine moms. So for a lot of them out there who were policing everyone's mask usage and everything yep. else, you know, I think they would look to someone like a Savannah Guthrie as well. If she, if she's on shot number 15, must be good for me too. Um, you know, swishing around Merlot in a big glass at around 11 a.m. Anyway, um, uh, but I, I gotta tell you, whatever happened to, I, I missed the genuflection 
to the vaccine that oh, used to yeah. be mandatory. You know, why did they used to do, okay, everybody, I have COVID again, but, but I'm so glad I got vaccinated and boosted. Remember, it wasn't just vaccinated, Clay. So glad I got vaccinated and boosted. You just don't see that anymore. Seems kind of weird. You know, where's the genuflection? Like they don't respect the Fauci gods anymore. Also, I'll point this out. They sent her home, so she showed up feeling fine to work. How many of you out there, I mean, Buck and I both know we've had COVID twice, but how many times do you maybe feel a little bit sick? You know, you got a little bit of a cold. You might hear us sometimes on the radio, like our voices are not always going to sound the exact same because we get colds here. I got kids running around, running noses all the time. But th- this but audience has like to work. the hearing of like spe- like the special members of the animal kingdom. I've showed up before and people have emailed me being like, didn't get much sleep last night, huh, buddy? I'm like, <laughs> how do they know? You know, because in your voice, so it sounds a little raspy, but yeah, it's true. Uh, so I, I knew it was going to happen. I didn't think it was going to happen this quickly. I praised Whoopi Goldberg. I praised Joy Behar. I even said, I'd be happy to join those chicks on their show that they were getting things right. They talked about COVID coming out of a lab on the view today. And they said, you know, who's really to blame here? Donald Trump for telling us that COVID came out of a lab. Here is Sonny Hostin always in the running alongside Joy Behar as the dumbest people on television. They put together a huge cadre of them. Here's our good friend Sonny saying Trump's to blame. Trump unleashed this xenophobia. He he stopped allowing Chinese people to come to the country. He then started calling it the... um, Don't even say it. He called it something, and he kept on saying China, China, and doing this thing where I was even concerned as someone who had lost family members right. for Manny to even bring it up. And that is really sad. First of all, Clay, he says China because that's how he says China. <laughs> this yeah, is just the right. way that he talks. You know, it's like, have you heard him say probably? Because that's how he says probably. Like, I don't understand that argument at all. But it just goes to show you th- th- how much they hate him. The, it's not even that he did anything. The whole thing about blocking people from China from coming here. Because that's where the virus was. It wasn't. And also, it wasn't like, Biden kept that going for years, right? They initially said that was xenophobic. And remember Nancy Pelosi, which everybody tries to pretend didn't happen. Remember when Nancy Pelosi went to Chinatown to go hug Chinese people to prove that they weren't to to blame for? Yes. <laughs> Nobody talked. Was it a, was it in San Francisco New York or City? New York? New York City too. De, Bla- De Blasio had De Blasio went to the Chinese New Year festival. There's a big yes. Chinatown in in New York City. And it was the whole, you know, we're great here. We love all of our Chinese friends and we're hugging everybody. And it was, you know, they're not giving us COVID, I promise. I mean, that was a whole movement that they had. That was in February, right before everything got shut down. I wish we could get the audio of Nancy Pelosi talking about how much she loved Chinese people. And Mayor de Blasio, I think, then said, nothing to worry about with COVID. I think he was like, it's exaggerated, like, because he's partying in Chinatown. But I wish we could, in fact... Can we pledge on this show that we're going to do it? The thing that I regret about what they're talking about is we should have never given in and stopped calling this the China virus. Because if they created it in a Wuhan lab, that is by definition a China virus. If if they made it, which the evidence seems to suggest, so the idea that it was somehow in the first place racist and xenophobic to refer to a virus by where it came from is 
anti-every scientific method, basically, that existed for hundreds of years, right? We named viruses very often based on the first place that we saw it come from, even if it wasn't necessarily accurate. And we also see what a a clear uh, decision it was to, to call it this COVID-19, to make it seem that was all part of the mysticism of the scientific community. We don't just call it the thing that that it, or call it based on where it comes from anymore. That's the old way. Now we're we're so sciency and we're yeah. so uh you know evolved in our knowledge uh, as a scientific community that we're going to call COVID nineteen. Also, by the are, are they calling it COVID twenty and COVID twenty twenty one and COVID twenty twenty? You know, we're supposed to call it COVID nineteen forever because of the year. What about the additional strains? How do that's we refer point. to that? I, I've never I, I've wondered how how that's supposed to go. Um. But yeah, no, I, I think it's funny that this is actually a who someone else made this argument earlier in the week that the problem with uh, what was it Medi Hassan I think the problem with COVID in the early days the lab leak theory wasn't that it was wrong it was that it came from the wrong people and the ultimate the pinnacle of that idea is that anything that Trump said about COVID had to be treated as false. Yes. Because Trump is so racist and xenophobic. That is the final fallback of the left. We couldn't believe what Trump said because he's Trump. It didn't matter that it's true. And that's really what it's all turned turned into now. It's, well, you guys might... Clay and Buck might have been right on masks, but Clay talks about boobs on CNN, and Buck <laughs> is a weird guy. You know, they just don't believe us is what it really comes down to. They couldn't believe us. Positive news, Mike Lee has gotten his account back. Okay, I figured so, that was a quick uh, Senator, one. Senator Mike Lee of Utah uh, has been restored to Twitter. I would bet that somebody flagged that as a parody account. It's at based Mike Lee. And the first couple of times I saw tweets from there, I was like, there's no way this is actually Mike Lee's yeah, Twitter it account. Be. It's his personal Twitter account, and he is pretty funny on there, And, uh, and as opposed to his official yeah, Senate but account. I mean, Banning Mike Lee from Twitter is like arresting Mr. Rogers for running a motorcycle gang. Like, come on. Like, there's just no way that's going to stand. So evidently somebody got to Elon and asked what happened. I would bet. He said he hadn't gotten an explanation on it so far. I would bet somebody flagged it as a parody or a fake uh, account and that somehow somebody at Twitter bought into that because I will be honest, it's a funny account and not to take shots at Mike Lee, but you don't necessarily think of him as somebody who is throwing out zingers right that's um, what i mean yeah, yeah. so he's yeah. it is a funny account i would encourage well, you guys like, to all you know, go follow it if your analysis of article 2 section 3 runs <laughs> awry of the facts mike lee is going to come down and he's going to tell you what the founders intended that's how he that is a really good impersonation he's a, he's a very brilliant guy jurist wise i will say also this would be like if trump on his account came back and just started only sharing like uh, rocket uh, jet propulsion data, right? You'd be like, I don't know that this is really Donald Trump's per- personal Twitter account. Yeah, I think that's a that's a fair point. My personal parent. propulsion device, probably the best, the fastest, the most glorious, most beautiful rocket device for propulsion. Actually, now that they, Trump could sell anything, so oh, if we're yeah. going to get jetpacks, master marketer. That's true. It is very true, and uh, we're going to talk to you more about all this tomorrow on the show. Please go subscribe to the Clay and Buck podcast. Download that iHeart app. Subscribe to the podcast. Deep dives are getting posted all the time. See you tomorrow. 
I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.